Thank you for the food, but I will thank you even more, God, if Mom will get me ice cream for dessert. Thank you, Lord, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Upon hearing the prayer, many of the folks in the restaurant began to chuckle, except for one lady who had a scowl on her face, in which she said very loudly, that's the problem with America today. Kids don't even know how to pray, asking God for ice cream. That kid ought to be ashamed. Upon hearing this, the little boy burst into tears and asked his mom, did I pray wrong? Is God mad at me? The mom held her son in her arms and reassured him that, her prayer was just, that his prayer was just fine. While she was holding a son, her son, an elderly gentleman came up with gray hair and said to the little boy, he said, son, I'll have you know that I know God personally. And he thought your prayer was terrific. Then he said to the boy with a nod toward the lady with the frown on her face, it's too bad she doesn't ask for ice cream. <laughs> ice cream is good for the soul. Of course, when lunch was over, mom and dad bought their son the biggest bowl of ice cream the restaurant had. And when the waiter brought the ice cream and set it in front of, of the boy, his eyes were so wide open, he immediately picked up the bowl of ice cream and went over to the lady and said, here, ma'am, I heard that ice cream's good for the soul, and my soul's good already. <laughs> he said that with a genuine heart. Now, the Apostle Paul writes Philippians because he wants us to have joy and rejoice in the Lord. That is, that is the theme of Philippians that I, that I can see in this whole, these four, four um, chapters. And you can say in light of this story that God wants us to have spiritual ice cream because it's good for the soul. Or in other words, he wants us to be spiritually healthy. He wants us to be good on the inside. He doesn't want us to live our lives being caught up in guilt, being caught up in frustration, being caught up in rituals, being caught up in rules. So Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 1, and that'll be our first slide. And he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. God wants us to be spiritually healthy. And in Philippians 3, we find five safeguards that I, that I noticed as I read through this passage of how to stay spiritually healthy. And I thought I could get through all five today, but as I prayed about and as I got through it, I didn't think we'd get done in time for the Super Bowl game at 5 o'clock, so I'm limiting it to two safeguards. The first safeguard that we find is this watch out for a legalistic attitude, or legalism, I would call it. And the definition for legalism, as I see it in God's Word, could be defined as this, substituting our relationship with Jesus Christ for a life bound of following rules and rituals. Listen to how harsh Paul talks about this issue in Philippians chapter 2, or Philippians 3, verse 2. And Paul says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Some pretty harsh words. Legalism is what the Pharisees had gotten caught up in. Paul compares these Pharisees to dogs, and in Paul's day, dogs were not domestic. Dogs were vicious, they were wild animals. Then Paul calls them mutilators of the flesh. Some very harsh words. The Pharisees had gotten so caught up in their rituals and legalism 
that circumcision had even become routine and something that was nothing more than a useless cutting of the body. Then Paul goes on to say in Philippians verse, or chapter 3, verse 3, and Paul says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is talking, of course, here of true believers who worship God and who find their glory in Jesus Christ. And then from the second half of verse 4 and through verse 6, we hear of the five examples of legalism that we'll be looking at today and next Sunday. And it says, If anyone thinks he has a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You see, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, was, he did everything right. Circumcision on the eighth day of the people of Israel, he's speaking of himself, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul sounds pretty bold there, doesn't he? Paul is talking of himself, of the things that he went through. And Paul could boast about these things, couldn't he? But we'll find out what Paul really thought of that. So I'd like to look at the first example of legalism. And there's five of them. The first one is putting trust in rituals. Do people put trust in rituals today? Absolutely. They sure do. I don't know how many times in my life when I've asked someone through through conversation, are, you know, how's your walk with the Lord? Are, are, are you saved? And well, yeah, I've been, I've been baptized. I've gone through confirmation. I go to church. I go through all the motions. I take communion. That's not what saves us. The second example of legalism is putting trust in heritage or our race. Do you think that you're a Christian today because your mom and dad were? Or your grandpa gave you the family Bible? Have you asked someone if they're a Christian and they say, well, absolutely. I live in a Christian nation. I go to church. Or maybe you've asked someone, how long, they, how long have you been a Christian? And they say, well, I was, I was born that way. I was born one. I've heard that. And they're deceiving themselves because we're all born in sin. We're all born in need of a Savior. And the third example of legalism that Paul talks about is putting trust in religion. Here Paul tells us that he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the finest of Hebrews. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, in which the holy city was on its border. Paul used to be called Saul, which who was named after the first king of Israel. According to religion, Paul had it all. He had done everything that he needed to do. Paul was religious to a T before he met Christ. But Paul didn't count that much, did he? Here's a great comparison of religion that I feel versus Christianity. 
Religion is man's attempt to get to God, where Christianity is God's attempt to get to man. Totally contrary to the other. And so important that we can grasp that. The fourth example of legalism is putting trust in rules. We find that the Pharisees were so caught up in rules that the the Ten Commandments were not enough for them. So they made 619 more. They just didn't think the first ten were good enough, evidently. They were so caught up in things, especially around the Sabbath, of, of not working. I'm not so sure you could have scratched a mosquito bite on the Sabbath. It would have been considered working. The fifth example of legalism was, is putting trust in reputation. Paul's reputation as a Pharisee was spotless. He had done everything right. Paul had every right to be proud of his heritage and the rituals and the rule-keeping and the reputation. And most definitely, Paul was religious. But look at what Paul says about all his accomplishments in verses 7 through 9. Paul says, But whatever was my, to my profit, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. In other words, there is no substitute for Jesus Christ, plain and simple. There is no substitute for Jesus Christ. Don't replace relationship for religion. If someone asks you tomorrow, are you religious? I would encourage you to say, absolutely not. Say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a relationship. Jesus did not have anything good to say about religion through Scripture. So many times... People were getting caught up in the rules and the rituals. On the second safeguard, Paul talks about is to watch out for misplaced priorities. Remember what Paul said in verse 8 about the accomplishments? It says they were rubbish. And rubbish is actually a pretty mild word for what Paul really meant. In the original text, and it refers to dung or manure. Paul's understanding of the priorities as a Pharisee was messed up. That is how strongly Paul felt about his accomplishments as a Pharisee compared to a life with Christ. Paul was ready and willing to surrender all his accomplishments for the sake of Christ. So many people fear surrendering to Christ for fear that they'll have to give up too much for their li- of their lives for him. They get comfortable, just like Johnny in the kindergarten faith video. They get comfortable in where they're at and they're, they're worried about giving Christ their all. And Jim Elliott had a great quote. For those of you who didn't know Jim Elliott, he was killed as a missionary many years ago. 
His wife Elizabeth has written many things about Jim and, and the faith and, and what they did. But I, I love this quote that Jim had. It says, He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he will never lose. That's such a good quote. He who is no fool, he is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he will never lose. And then listen to how excited Paul is about his surrender to Christ in verses 10 and 11. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings because or becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, Paul was so surrendered to Christ that he wanted to know the fellowship of what it would be like to share in his sufferings even to the point of death and, of course, the resurrection. So Paul gives us two safeguards today to watch out for. Next, we'll look at the other, next week, we'll look at the other three. And the five that, that I saw as I read through this passage, the first one, of course, was watch out for a legalistic attitude. The second is watch out for misplaced priorities. Next week, we'll look at watch out for past guilt. Memories of the past can really mess up your life, and they can drag you down. And number four, listen, learn to distinguish truth from error, how to cult-proof your faith. I think the Bible's very clear on how we can do that. And then five, watch out for immature Christianity. It is so dangerous to get comfortable in your faith and think that you've arrived. We will hopefully understand the importance of striving more for Christ as we search his word. I'd like to move now into our communion service. But as I begin, I'd like us to take just a moment and think about where your confidence lies today. Do you feel secure in your possessions or in your family? What or who is most important in your life? Where does your hope and your trust and your commitment lie? Does Christ hold the highest place in your heart? So before we begin our service, if I could just have you close your eyes this morning. And we do serve an open communion table, so if you are a guest here, please join us. If you trust the Lord as your Savior. And I'd like us to think about these things. This last month, how have you spent your time? Are you proud of where your time was spent? Or are you disappointed in the precious time that you've wasted? Maybe you've even spent time wandering into ungodly territory. I'm not asking you these questions this morning to condemn you, but only to help you find forgiveness and healing as a child of God. God is calling you to a higher place today. He wants all of you, not just some. He wants all. 
So would you come before him today and say, God, I, I, want, in. I want all in. Father, I want to do better this month. I want to do better this week. I want to do better today. I want to bring you glory in my life. As we share in communion today, will you think about these things? So I ask you, please open your hearts and listen to his voice speak. So if I could have the diaconate come forward.